Today I welcome James Warland, Principal of the International School at Park City in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. In this episode, we talk about modern international school leadership, fostering community, the future of international education, and why students care about sustainability. You're the principal at an international school in Kuala Lumpur. What inspired you to work in international education and how long have you been doing this? It's a great question. And I actually love asking people this same question because everybody's got their own story. It's really fascinating to go on that journey with people that takes them up to that point. And, and I first left my native Australia. It was, well, it's going back about 15 years now. And I think anyone who takes that plunge to work overseas in any industry, I think they possess somewhat of an innate curiosity or a sense of adventure. And, and that's in varying degrees, but I do think it's there in everyone who's made that move. And for me, there was a desire to experience the world and different people and, and cultures and places. And it was amazing that I could do that at the same time as develop a really meaningful career. An education degree these days is really now it's a ticket. It can take you anywhere in the world and you can have an, an amazing career develop right in front of you whilst still tickling that innate desire that might be burning inside you. And when I first made that plunge, you know, 15 years ago, whenever it was, I was very green and I wasn't really aware of the incredible community that I'd be joining. It's mind blowing. I'm so lucky the peers and colleagues that I have, I, I honestly think some of the best educators in the world are working internationally and it's a joy to be part of that community. And have you always wanted to lead a school or is it something that came around just because you enjoyed what you were doing and the opportunity came and you took it or was there always ambition to lead? There was always a desire, you know, going back through when I was at school, I always held positions of leadership, whether that's through responsibility in school or, or sporting teams. And I've always enjoyed being at the forefront and, and being in control and, and shaping where things are going. So when I stepped into the professional world, that was a natural progression for me, I think. Obviously, when you're relatively low on experience and you're a bit younger, it starts smaller scale. But once you have those successes and you develop that degree of confidence, the next thing is to take that next step up and try a new challenge, which has a bit of a bigger remit. And it's just been a, a series of opportunities that have presented themselves to me. And, and I've been really fortunate the way things have panned out. And I'm very, very grateful for the opportunities that have come my way. You are young for an international school principal. Do you think that your age has any influence on your approach and expectations? I am probably younger than the person that pops into your mind when you close your eyes and you think of a stereotypical school principal. But in terms of age influencing my approach, I would say to a degree, I think it allows me to be very open to change and look at things with a different perspective. I'm a real advocate for asking the question, why? I think it's really important that as a leader, you're constantly questioning what's happening in your organization. And if you get the answer, oh, that's the way things have always been done, then it needs to respond with a change. You need to do something different. And 
having that mindset that change is a good thing and, and change is what we can do in order to lead to success is great. And I'm always looking for how to optimize efficiency and make sure things are super effective. And, and I guess my age gives me less tendency to, to hold on to past ideas or initiatives. So it is advantageous to a degree. And how do you navigate those sort of potential generational differences that you may have? Because, you know, you talked about, yes, we've always done it that way. And, you know, humans is sort of innately a resistance to change when you get to a certain age because it's comfort. You choose the same dishes, you do the same things, it becomes routine. And the thought of change disrupts your kind of status quo. Have you had to sort of navigate any generational differences and, you know, have to come together and bring those challenges to the front? Not drastically. I would say in the international school sector, it's very fast moving. It's very high paced. Things evolve quite quickly. So in terms of pedagogy and professional practice, I think people in, in our sector, they're used to keeping up with the times and, and changing and modernizing their approach. In terms of relationships, it's a generational difference is not something that I see as any different to any other individual difference. So it's just about establishing common ground and understanding. And I think through mutual respect, you can absolutely move forward purposefully. And as I said, this is not something that I come across a, a generational difference. And that's a real credit to our staff and also to our board that they've got a trust in me and my direction and, and vision. So I am in a, a fortunate position. And what skills or traits do you believe modern schools are looking for in, in school leaders? It's a good question. And, and I think modern schools, what they need and what they require is their leaders to be all-rounders. So possessing a diverse skill set that can be used and utilized in different situations. So there's the ability to communicate and strategize and problem solve and, and formulate a vision. But there's also things like being progressive and willing to take risks because especially the international school market now, it's competitive and schools need to be standing out. They need to be moving forward. So school leaders need to possess that mindset themselves. A key that I also think is very, very important is in modern school environments is emotional intelligence and empathy. Every school leader needs to be able to possess that ability to connect with a variety of people on multiple different levels. So the skill set needs to be vast, it needs to be varied, and that reflects the job that we do each and every day. It is vast and it, it is varied. I want to talk about people because I think great leaders have a really good sense of the people around them. And it isn't about doing it my way or the highway. It is about fostering this strong sense of community. International schools are a place of transient parents, you know, and that's always difficult when you have people who may not be building roots. How do you foster that strong sense of community in an international school environment? Community is something that we really emphasize at the International School at Park City. It's really important to the day-to-day -day of what we do. To give that some context, I often think back to when I was a child and imagine my family being plucked out of my small hometown in Australia due to my mother or father's work, being plopped 
trapped in the middle of a country like Japan or Korea where we have no cultural understanding, we have no friends, we struggle with the language and just how that must feel. So we would obviously in that environment, we would be enrolled into a school immediately. And what that action does is automatically creates the school as the center of their world, at least initially. So families need to have a sense of belonging that the school can provide. They need to feel home. They need to feel comfortable. How we do that here is just by being extremely open and aware to all of our stakeholders coming from different backgrounds. And that goes for the context that I've just described, that example, but it's also for our local Malaysian families as well. They need to feel as part of the school as anybody else. And I think in international environments, as I said before, the school is quite often the center of a family's world. So it's very, very important that they feel at home and they feel a part of the school. One of the great things I love about international schools is their innate or built-in diverse community. There's a lot happening all around the world right now about the sort of divisive culture, you know, whether it's around your kind of inclination towards religion or anything else. Do you feel your best place and do you just think it's a normal kind of environment, the fact that you just accept everybody from all walks of life, orientations, races, etc.? Absolutely. And that is, as you say, that's one of the beauties of these schools' environments. You know, we, we're lucky we have around 60 different nationalities within our school. And I was just out in the school canteen eating lunch today and at the table next to me, there was a girl of Malaysian Chinese background. She's sitting next to a girl from Australia. They're having a conversation across the same table with a girl from Colombia. And there was a French girl sitting there as well. And I was just admiring that from afar, just thinking, this is, this is what it's all about. This is just an amazing thing. And they probably don't, but I, I hope these students really appreciate the exposure to different cultures and context that they have. And when you said before about it becoming or it being the norm, that is absolutely the case because that's just one example of hundreds that occur each and every day. And it is innate to what we do. We are accepting of all races, cultures, creeds, religions, they all have their place here and they're all celebrated and acknowledged both formally and informally. I hope you're enjoying the Inspiring Schools podcast. We're always on the hunt for guests with vision and a desire to share them. If you'd like to be involved or know of someone with great ideas at a school near you, please drop me an email to podcast at interactiveschools.com and my team will be in touch. You talk about deliberately creating an atmosphere of vibrance, which I love. What do you mean by that? And how do you deliberately create that? It is a vibrant atmosphere around our school. And I wouldn't be speaking out of turn when I say that that's representative of a lot of international school environments. They have this sense of positivity and optimism and, as you say, vibrance. And for me, how is that created? Well, it starts with staff recruitment, actually. I think it's really important to make sure that you are bringing the right type of people into your school who you know can carry that flag. So when I conduct interviews and I, and I speak to potential staff, of course, I'm paying attention to teaching and learning and pedagogy and professional practice, but I'm really looking for a character. I'm looking for the type of person they are because that matters a lot to what we do each and every day. What happens in their classroom 
must be of the highest priority and, and it must be meeting our expectations. But what matters a lot is when they're walking around the school, just having those informal conversations with students. And all of those things contribute to a fantastic, vibrant community atmosphere. And when it's vibrant, and as you said, everyone has a sense of place and purpose, that's when great learning happens. People feel relaxed and they're just part of wanting to make a difference. I completely agree. I think something that can be overlooked sometimes is a sense of belonging. And when you feel part of something, as you say, that totally lends itself to success in the classroom. It's amazing the things that we see outside in the playground and through different events, but ultimately that is complementing the learning that's going on in the classrooms as well. And we all remember the teachers who made you feel great. We all do. You know, you go back and they go, who, which teachers do you remember? Um, and there's only ever a handful that made a difference in your life. And it's the ones who really cared. It wasn't the ones who drove you hard to pass exams. It was the ones that understood you and made you feel comfortable and relaxed and understood. I think right now it's even more important. We have these environments where young men and women are encouraged and stewarded just to be themselves, but you need an environment to be able to do that. Exactly. And I think the power of rapport and connection just cannot be overstated. And if I talk to my mother who hasn't been in school for 40, 50 years now, I'm certain that she could do exactly as you described and immediately list three, four, five teachers that had that impact on her when she was younger. And of course, they may have been excellent practitioners that were fantastic teachers, but I'm sure it was due to the rapport and the connection that was built at that time. I want to talk about how education is changing because everyone talks about the future of education. We're inundated with everything to do with AI at the moment. It's suddenly become a reality of dystopia, you know, and all those things that we've seen in the past. Education is having to keep pace and we need to make sure it's fit for purpose and relevant for the kids that you are shooting through your schools. Are there any emerging trends in international education that leaders should be prepared for? It's not necessarily a trend, but I think global citizenship is something that all international schools are very, very aware of and we promote heavily. That should be on the agenda of all schools because we are going down a path where globalization is a real thing. We are becoming one world. Countries are becoming more and more accessible. So I think schools have a responsibility to be preparing their students to be entering that world where it's very, very normal to be working and living in other countries. And even if you are based in your home country, I'm sure, depending on the company that you belong to, you will be working with people from different backgrounds and cultures and creeds and all those sorts of things. So it's a big thing in international schools, not just for our context, but also for when the students leave global citizenship. You mentioned tech already, and that's obviously a huge topic at the moment. The last 12 months, obviously, AI has just gone exponential. What I've been most pleased about is the response to the emerging AI has evolved, I guess, over the past year or so. I think initially there was a lot of fear, a lot of hesitation, a lot of uncertainty. But now, now that it's understood and different schools and different organizations are starting to utilize the power of AI, that fear is disappearing a little bit. It's only going to get bigger. It's only going to become more prominent. So 
schools, again, have a responsibility to be keeping up to date and educating students for the world that they're going to be entering. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, technology is a lever, it's an enabler, and far too often it's easy for it to be the driver because we believe that it's going to solve all of our problems. And, you know, we always get into human laziness where it's like, oh, this technology is going to just make my job easier. Or actually, it's just going to do my job for me. I read somewhere this week that companies are very disenfranchised right now with the idea of remote working. We saw that as a natural kind of hangover from COVID lockdowns is that we could do it. So people wanted to do it. But as we've talked about, people need people. There is this great sense of you can't build a community online. It's not as deep. It's quite narrow and thin in terms of what depth you can get. I just wondered what your thoughts are on the people connection and the future of work. Do you think that everyone's going to be remote or do we need a sense of being in person? I'm definitely with you in the sense of people need people. And I've mentioned a couple of times that the sense of belonging, that's not impossible, but I think it's certainly more challenging to achieve when you are working or or learning remotely. There have been some incredible things that have emerged from the experience that the education industry had throughout the pandemic. And there's been some great discoveries and some things that have come from that, which have helped our industry evolve and move forward. I'm definitely an advocate for face-to-face. I'm definitely an advocate for those formal and and informal interactions that you have with people. The remote aspect of work and life is a tool that can be utilized, absolutely, and, and we are doing that right now. It's definitely got its place, but in terms of a full replacement, I personally wouldn't like to see that, and I think a balance between the two. So utilizing it when it's required and, and when it's suitable, but going back to the default of face-to-face, I think is important. And I think there's a lot to be said just about the human side of physically sitting next to someone and reading body behaviors and observing them in person. So a combination of the two is probably where the future should go. It's just about being adaptable and flexible. That's what I think lockdown taught everybody. There's a sense of resilience, but we could be adaptable and flexible. But the problem is sometimes is, is what I found is that when you offer it up, it feels like you're being flexible because you're offering remote working. Problem is then it doesn't become flexible. It becomes a fixed mindset of that's what we're doing as opposed to being we will adapt as and when it needs to happen that's in the benefits of the person and the business. And we're going through our own kind of challenges with that because you know it's fascinating because people just got stuck into that routine and it became a new fixed adaptive way rather than being flexible. What are the challenges of the future for international schools? It's a good question. And hope I've painted a very rosy picture of our international sector. And that definitely is the case. But there are challenges out there. And and I would say a big one is definitely competition. The international schools, especially in certain parts of the world, so Southeast Asia being one, the Middle East being another, they, especially the last 10, 15 years, the number of schools has increased exponentially. And I think we're reaching a point where the market is not far away from reaching saturation points if it hasn't already. So that's definitely a challenge for new schools, especially finding their place and establishing themselves. Another challenge which is linked to that is recruitment and retention of teachers. Teachers are are in an incredibly powerful position. I mentioned before that An education degree is a ticket to anywhere they want to go in the world, and that's absolutely true. So schools 
have to make themselves attractive. They need to prioritize the experience that their staff have and make sure that we're appealing not just to new staff, but making sure that we're spending time keeping the staff that we've already got on hand. So I think that's uh, just in relation to numbers of schools and things like that. I'd say that's where probably the main challenges lie moving forward. There are loads, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's amazing how many new schools can open up. And as I say, it is competition. It's why you need to establish and be authentic and have your own vision and values and live into them. I find a lot of schools write a lot of corporate navel gazing about who they are, what they believe in. And actually, culture is how you feel. Brand is how you feel. It isn't actually what you write. It's, I think established schools will do a good job. They just got to make sure they don't take their eye off the ball and try and be something they're not because people do see through it. Being an environmental scientist, right? This is interesting because right now, the idea of sustainability, we're in the kind of sixth wave of innovation. Our kids really care about what's going on on the planet. Are we doing enough? And is that something that you still take an interest in? Absolutely. We were speaking a little bit before about my background and I do, my background is in environmental science and I, I entered the industry via science teaching. So it is a passion of mine and it is something that I will maintain for the rest of my life. And your question about sustainability, especially in schools, we have a responsibility, not just for the world around us, but for our students to be doing the right thing because they're more aware than ever and they care more than ever. To be honest, it matters now more than ever. So could schools be doing more? The question is easily answered with a single word, and that is yes, we can always be doing more. The beauty of the position that we're in now is that school boards and governing bodies are now recognizing that and they're supporting environmental initiatives in schools. And that hasn't always been the case, but it represents the world that we're now living in where not just our school community, our prospective school community are expecting a, a certain type of environmental responsibility. And it's amazing how many prospective families when they're visiting the school or contacting us online are asking about what we're doing in relation to sustainability and the environment. It is fascinating. And if you're not doing that, you're letting yourself down, but obviously you're, you're letting the world around you down. I'm going to wrap up by asking you to look into your crystal ball. If we were to kind of look at what the future of education was in 2050, what do you think would stay the same? What do you think is going to be different? And what would you like to see? I would love to see the further emergence of personalized learning. I'd like to think that's the future of schools. It's something that schools are dabbling in now, they're working on now. And I would love for that to be prominent throughout each and every school around the world and every child has a personalized learning experience. I would like to see more global collaborations. If there's one thing belonging to the international school sector has taught me, it's the power of collaboration and it's the power of global collaboration. So all schools, international schools, non-international schools, I think they should be trying to be working on a global scale. One thing that I'm not in a position to comment on in any area of expertise in, in any way, obviously what we touched on before in regards to AI and VR and AR and tech in general, my brain is not able to compute what 
2050 may look like, but I know it's going to be prominent. I know it's going to be huge and the possibilities are endless. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram and via LinkedIn. Remember, keep inspiring schools. We need more future school thinking now.